Hey, teacher friend, welcome to another episode of the Simply Teach podcast. I'm your host, Kelly Jackson, and each week I bring on a teacher friend to talk about simple ways to engage our students, stay motivated, and keep up with best practices. I'm so glad that you're here. Today I'm talking to my very first online blogger friend, Sarah Spears. Sarah and I met on a teacher Facebook group and immediately bonded over classroom organization because we both love it. Sarah is a second year teacher in Tennessee and she is full of so much knowledge and wisdom. She shares about her journey to learning how to be gracious with herself and she even gives us some recommendations for all those first year teachers that are listening. We then transition into talking about how we organize things in our classroom like our teacher materials, our student desk, and we even get on the conversation about the battle of pencils. Here's my conversation with Sarah. Welcome to the Simply Teach podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Yay. I'm so excited to have you here. And I'm excited because you are my first guest on here that I don't know. Like everybody else <laughs> that I've had on has been like a friend or somebody that I work with. Uh-huh. Um, and I can't even remember how I felt. Fa- I think we're in a Facebook group together. Yes. I was. I think I posted something about classroom organization and you said, my people, yeah. and we just started talking. So yeah. that was great. So it's been, I'm, I'm excited because uh, I follow a lot of bloggers and a lot of podcasters and they talk about how they have people they met online that are like their friends. Yes. Uh, that they met through blogging and whatnot. And I'm like, but I want to meet someone. I know. I so know. you're that person. I'm not that I'm person. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. <laughs> So because of that, I, I really don't know anything about you other than <laughs> your name is Sarah. Yes. You like to organize. And I think you live in Tennessee. I do. I, I, right? live, I live in a very, very small town in Tennessee. <laughs> okay, so tell, tell me about you and tell the listeners about you. So I decided, I kind of denied that I was a teacher most of my life. My mom was my teacher. I was homeschooled. And she Uh just made me love, love learning and everything. And so when I was 18 and I went to college orientation, um, I just kind of felt it put on my heart that I needed to try out education. And so I tried out early childhood education and fell in love with the classes and the field experience and all that good stuff. And I just continued to grow as I uh, graduated community college. And then as I continued at Martin Methodist College in Pulaski, Tennessee, which is where I'm working now. Um, And I love first grade, been teaching first grade for two years. I had my field, my student teaching in first grade. And one thing I noticed, back to the organization of it all, I was very OCD, so to speak, (laughs) Mm -hmm. in college, very organized and on top of things. And that was hard when I was student teaching because, you know, you're in another person's classroom. Yes. And when I was with my first grade teacher, she loved that I would just take stuff and organize it and sort it and all that stuff. That other teacher I worked with did not like it as much, <laughs> but it made me realize that I really enjoy organizing. And just when I got my own classroom, I spent a lot of time planning it out and just making sure that it was a space that was going to be organized enough for me to focus on my kids and not on where a piece of paper was or getting lost in 
all the other chaos that happens when you're teaching. Yeah, I think that's a really big component of it is like there's so much that we're dealing with on a day-to-day basis that a disorganized classroom is is an easy fix yes. to helping release some of that, that yes. stress. So yes. this is only your second year. It is. It is. Oh, I did not know that. Okay, so how's that going? It's good. I'm a very... I still consider myself very much a baby teacher. Uh, My first school that I was at, I unfortunately had to leave. There were some circumstances. So I had to start all over again at a brand new school this year. So it felt like a second first year, so to speak. Mm -hmm. But um, it's nice. I was excited that you asked about new teacher struggles and all of that stuff. So I'm excited about to talk about that a little later too. So it's, it's important as a first year teacher, especially because it's really overwhelming. It's important to stay organized. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Um, you talked about in the form that I sent you about having to learn how to be gracious with yourself. Yes. And I think that's something that teachers we struggle with. I struggle. I mean, yes. I was sending my husband text messages today like, mm-hmm. complaining about stuff. And he was like, Kelly, why are you telling me this? And I'm like, cause I just need to complain to somebody. Oh, yes. Um, yes. You know, like it's just, it's so easy to get bogged down. So mm-hmm. talk to us a little bit about that experience and, and what you've kind of, how you've grown from that. Well, I think the biggest thing for me is that I'm a huge perfectionist. And so I want to do the absolute best job that I can. And so I'm really hard on myself when students don't particularly pick up on a concept or if I forgot to include something in the lesson, if I just kind of, if my pacing's messed up or if, if the kids have a bad day, I often blame myself for that. Um, Mm -hmm. And on the flip side of that, some days I'm so frustrated that I'll blame them and I have to be gracious with myself for accepting that they have bad days too. So yeah. For sure. (laughs) Just learning that it's a growing process and even 30-year teachers don't have it all together. It's very tempting to be like, I can't wait until the days when all my lesson plans are written and everything's good to go. But the reality is, is that education is always changing. Policy is always changing. Your expectations are always changing. And your student needs are always changing. You can have a new student come tomorrow and transform the dynamic of your room and you have to change and adjust for that. And I think beyond flexibility, I had to learn that it was okay if I struggled to be flexible sometimes. It was okay that I, it, it took me a second to adjust to things. It, it's okay that my kids didn't get it right away because I'm still new at this. And so maybe teach it a different way. Just keep reflecting and keep growing because every child is different. Every class is different. And your personal life too brings in a lot of things as well that makes each year of teaching different as well. Right. I've talked with um, a couple, probably two other teachers on the podcast. And we've kind of talked about the same thing where as teachers, we're always you know, we're closed up in our rooms all day long. And then when we come out and we're looking to our left and we're looking to our right, we're seeing what she's doing great and what worked well in her classroom. And all we're doing is thinking about what failed in our classroom and what we, and, and what we didn't accomplish or what we didn't get to. And it's just that daily choice of like choosing to see the growth Mm -hmm. and the, 
the good things that you accomplish instead of focusing on, on the negative. Well, and it's not like we want our students to focus on the negative either. We don't, we don't grade their work or point out every minuscule mistake that they made and said, you, you failed because you didn't get this one particular thing right. And we have to be just as gracious with ourselves. Isn't that funny how we do that? I I've been, um, kind of thinking about that lately about how, like, I tell my kids, well, don't talk mean about other people or yes. don't, you know, whatever. And then I turn around and I do the same thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm not really practicing what I'm preaching. And that's where the grace comes in too. It's like <laughs> having grace and realizing that, oh, what I'm teaching, I need to be practicing. <laughs> I want you to tell us because you are a new teacher, like what are some things that you would say to a new teacher going in? And then I have a question to follow up after that. Okay, fantastic. My my biggest advice would be to talk to people. Talk to teachers, talk to your principals, talk find somebody in the building that you jive with that you have you just connect with them and talk with them. There is always somebody to talk to. I think my biggest mistake as a first-year teacher was that I thought I had to do it on my own or that people wouldn't think I was strong enough or a good teacher if I asked for help. And so mm-hmm. this year I've really focused on talking with other teachers, especially those teachers that have been around for a long time. Um, I'm in a really cool situation. I have my neighboring teachers. One has been teaching 30 years and one has been teaching five years. And so I've got the 30-year teacher that has been doing this long enough that she helps with the discipline issues and she's just able to be encouraging and and she really inspires me with everything she does. But then on the flip side, there is the fifth-year teacher that is still new enough at this where we can kind of vent and be like, oh my goodness, this is so overwhelming. But she's done it and she's still really has that invigorated new teacher um, vibe mm-hmm. that sometimes a 30 year teacher is like, Whew, I'm worn out. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just getting to the end. Yeah. I got a few more years. Yeah. So the biggest thing is not to isolate yourself, ask questions. Um, even if you think it sounds silly, ask questions of your principal, email them, you know, ask, ask questions and talk to people, take a break I know I tried to work through my lunches a lot, my first year teaching. And sometimes I will work through my lunches, but I really try and take a break now. And even if it's just to walk around the building while they're eating, just to get a fresh mindset before the afternoon and things like that. Well, one thing I tell teachers that I talk to um, is to set boundaries. Absolutely. uh one or two days a week, you stay late. Otherwise, every other day you're leaving, you know, when the uh, contract time is up or shortly thereafter. And then, yeah, lunch. I mean, I, there are days that I work through my lunch too, Mm -hmm. but as a general rule, like I just need to socialize with somebody my own age. Exactly. I need adult interaction. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Hey guys, I wanted to take a quick second to tell you about the series I'm hosting on my blog this month. I'm hosting a series called Operation Organization, and each week I'm on Facebook Live coaching a teacher on classroom organization or management. So far, I've worked with Emma on creating behavior management plans for her sixth grade students. The next Operation Organization session was with a teacher at my school named Leslie, who was stuck in the old PLC room at her school, which means she literally has like 
no storage and has to store everything in a closet in the back of her room. This week I'll be helping Danielle organize her student data in meaningful ways. So if you want to follow along, make sure you're on my email list or in the Simply Organized Teacher Facebook community, which is where I'm hosting all the coaching sessions. But I'll have links to all that stuff in the show notes, so head over there after the episode to find all the information. I think this is the fun yes, part of the I year. I love it. Because it's like we're finally, I'm finally starting to see the yes. fruits of my labor. I'm like, okay, you yes. are learning something. Um, I decided this year to kind of focus, like put a little mm-hmm. bit more emphasis on writing because it's always been a struggle for me. And so I uh, made these, I mean, I call them portfolios, but they're just brown paper stacks with oh, that I put though. all the writing sample or their writing. Um, but I'm, I'm so excited because, you know, we've mm-hmm. been putting stuff in there all year long and we looked at them probably at the end of the past semester, um, when they were putting new stuff in, I was like, look at the difference from just the beginning of year to now. And so I'm really excited to take them down at the end of the year. I think I may do some kind of like, it's your favorite cool. writing, bring up, you know, invite your parents to come and. Oh, that will be so fun. But, um, yeah, writing has always like, are you, do you enjoy teaching writing? Cause I feel like it's always been a struggle for me. That is my favorite thing to teach. I love it. Love it. Because why? Gonna... what are you doing that I need to do? <laughs> <laughs> well, I had an amazing teacher in high school. Um, I, I had an English tutor cause I was homeschooled. And so she broke down writing into really simple steps And so I love to look at it like a process. And so, um, for example, right now we're working on the informational writing and I'm teaching my kids how to read an article, what to highlight in an article, what the key words are in an article, and then how we can make sentences with that information. And then using graphic organizers to make sense of that information and figuring out how to write it. Um, with the narrative writing, I struggle a little bit more, but again, I just use the graphic organizers and the story and discussion to talk about how to create it into this magnificent writing. It's usually a five-day process for me. So with informational, we'll read the, the um, article the first day and we'll talk about it and highlight the important points and we we'll use a graphic organizer on Tuesday and we might look at comparing it. I find that comparing the information or doing something where you're looking at the information and applying it to something you already know is extremely helpful. So we might dig deeper on Wednesday and then Thursday they're going to write their rough draft. So they're using the articles or article they read, they're looking at their graphic organizers and the anchor charts that we've created as a group. And it's all coming together into this rough draft. And then on Friday, I give them a nice piece of paper and we'll do usually a craftivity with it. So with our rabbit writing, we did rabbits last week. We made fun little bunny rabbits out of construction paper and we got to color the rabbits and make it fun. And they got to attach that to their finished writing which we had mm-hmm. looked at for punctuation and capitalization and things like that. And I just love the process of it. It makes sense to me to do it in the little steps. So I really yeah. like it. <laughs> How long do you have for your writing block? 
So we have an hour and a half. I have an hour and a half uninterrupted ELA. So I have to include phonics, reading, and writing and everything within that hour and a half. Mm-hmm. And then I have an additional 30 minutes for um, just phonics instruction. Um, it could be ELA instruction, but that's I usually do my phonics for 30 minutes um, in that 30 minutes at the end of the day. And I'll do mm-hmm. my writing and reading first thing in the morning in that hour and a half. Yeah, I think that's a good time to do it when they're fresh. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, yeah, so I teach in a dual language classroom. So I've got English and Spanish speakers mm-hmm. in my classroom. And so they're learning two languages. So they're getting language arts twice a day. They're, yeah. they're meeting their minimum requirements for the language arts time. However, mm-hmm. it's split between English and Spanish. So I've Ooh. essentially got like 30 or 40 minutes Ooh, to tough. do reading, writing, phonics, and so, yes. yes, I like the day. Like I try to do that uh, daily, you know, mm-hmm. kind of like, break, you know, look at it as a week. Okay. How can I break this up? But I've found that with my tight time constraints that I have to stretch it out over a couple weeks, but yes, I mean, as teachers, you got to do what you got to do. Exactly. Right? And I think the big thing for me too, is that I always have like five minutes at least once a day, if I know that we won't get to the big writing project or whatever, I want them to have five minutes to just write. They can write whatever they want. I'm not grading it. Uh, They know the rules. They have to be engaged in what they're doing and they have to write sentences and I'll look at it, but it's not for a particular grade. It's just for them to communicate with me or to communicate with themselves or just, I give them about five minutes every day to just freely express themselves in writing and so that always helps too because some days we're doing good just to get vocabulary and phonics and reading comprehension and all that other stuff so it's always nice to have that well I think that's great because um I find that when I do have time to go through the whole writing process. A lot of my lower kids struggle to come up with like what to write, especially when you get yes. to that narrative where it's like yes. um, writing about a personal, mm-hmm. you know, a uh, personal story or whatever. Right. I feel like they have a hard time pulling out what to say. So even just that like brief writing each day and kind of mm-hmm. reflecting is getting them prepared for what's to come. Right. And I use the analogy, I saw this somewhere online with the narrative where it's like a road trip and they have to pack their bags and tell their readers, you know, kind of the details. And as they hit different, they'll hit different stops along the way and tell their reader the beginning, middle and end. And then they'll reach the stop sign and their destination. And by that point, we should know what was happening in uh, mm-hmm. the story. That's a good visual. Yes. It's worked really like well. That. It has worked pretty yeah. well with the narrative because it is hard for them to understand the beginning, middle and end of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They focus sometimes it up. all on the beginning or they focus all on the end or something like that. So, or they focus on everything yes. they did <laughs> over all of Christmas break. And you're like, but baby, I just want you to pick one thing you did. 
Yes. Yes. Like they'll go into so much detail that you're like, oh, mm-hmm. that won't work. <laughs> Just yeah. tell me yeah. about this. Yeah. Yeah. We need to trim it down. Yeah. Okay. So I want to talk about the whole reason I had you on the podcast yes. organization. Yes. Because it's my jam. It's my thing. Yes. I love it. And it's clearly your suit. Tell us your website that you have. Uh, learningismagical.com. It's all about creating a magical learning environment where kids can explore and uh, just create and have meaningful learning experiences. But none of that is possible if your room and your environment isn't set up for that. So I'm trying to create a site that will support teachers, not only with the materials that they share with their students, but how to organize their environment to make it more fun and engaging for the students. I tell teachers all the time that I feel like your classroom has to be organized before you can ever have um, like quality teaching. Oh, absolutely. Not that you can't teach in a disorganized classroom. You can, but it's... that You can, but I think that laying the foundation for an organized classroom, like I think first of all, it works wonders for the kids because... Oh, absolutely you walk into a classroom that's disorganized for me, it overwhelms me. And so I, you know, I can only imagine what that does to the kids. I think it communicates to um, parents, to other teachers, to your administrators, even to the kids that like, I take this, um, I value this, like I value my job. I take pride in my job. Therefore I take pride in my classroom because I want you to take pride in it. I want you to feel safe and welcome here. Well, um, and I'm in a low income school right now. And I mean, I've got some students that don't have, they're living from house to house, sleeping over at, they don't have a home. And mm -hmm. I think it's important that your classroom is able to communicate. This is home. And it needs to be, Mm -hmm. for me, it needs to be that organized, welcoming space and not the chaos that surrounds their life on an almost daily basis. Yeah. Safe and consistent. Exactly. Okay. So let's talk about how, um, I'm trying to think the best way, I guess let's start with teacher materials. Like what are some ways that you organize Thing. And when I'm talking teacher materials, I'm talking like your desk, right. your lesson plans, right. um, your U table, small group area. What are some ways that you organize those? Well, I thought <laughs> this is my new teacher coming coming forth. But in the beginning, I was trying to make everything into a binder because I saw that mm-hmm. on Pinterest. And I thought that's what you were supposed to do. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that only works for some teachers. Now, I will say that. I have some resources that I do keep in binders that I occasionally can pull from and make copies of. But like, that's when I, that's like, that's rare. Most of the time, different worksheets or different materials that I use for lessons are organized by standard. So I had used a file, I've used a file folder system, which I love. That's turned out to be how I can organize the best way. And so mm-hmm. I took the file folders and wrote out each standard in math and reading and social studies and science. And I wrote those out. And when I print something or use something, I know what standard it belongs to. 
and I just tuck it in that file folder. So that way when I'm going to my lesson plans, I can just pull that one folder out for that specific standard. And so Mm -hmm. that's worked really well. I have a teacher toolbox that I keep my school supplies in. Um, I have a big mug full of paper clips that I have decided is the best thing I've ever decided to do. I had them in a little drawer. I, I was had this little bitty container last year and I kept having to refill it. So I just bought this big old <laughs> Cheshire cat mug and I keep my paper clips in there. I have big mugs for my pens. The things that I'm using all of the time, I have very accessible on my desk. I've got those three mugs with my black pens, my red pens and my paper clips. And you know what? If everything else gets torn away in my room, I will have my red pins, my black pins, and my paper clips because those are just the things I use the most in the room. Um, right. And in my my kidney table for my small groups, I have baskets that I've organized their little leveled readers in, and I also have little Sterilite containers the little three drawer containers that I use for manipulatives or for games that we will play during small groups. So that way I just have to turn around and just look at my shelves and I'm able to pull something from that and use it for small groups. Yeah. I do the same thing. I've got like, I kind of try to position my room. Um, I mean, if anybody, anybody goes on my website, like that's pretty much all my pictures are of is my classroom. So you can see that I kind of had this corner of like my desk and my U table are kind of all in my area. Um, That way it's like the kids know that that's a boundary that they don't go past. And, you know, all of my stuff is right Mm -hmm. there for me to access. Like most of the time I don't even have to get out of my rolly chair because everything is so close. Yes. Um, And I think that's, this thought just like, I haven't even like ever thought about this until right now. But when I think about my classroom, the way I have it organized is everything is split into sections. So like there's my section, Mm -hmm. which is my table, my desk, the cabinet back in that corner is full of uh, what I call my stuff. Mm -hmm. And it's like my decorations and that. And then like all of my math stuff is like, like math games, math manipulatives, Mm Um, my math word wall is all in the right. same corner, language arts, library, all in the same. And just creating those sections, uh, I go into teacher's classroom sometimes and I see, Hodgepodge. well, they've got some books over mm-hmm. here, some books over there, TEs here, TEs right. over there. And it's like, I think creating spaces in your room for everything to go that is similar allows for better flow and better finding. And I can say that since I've set up two classrooms in two years, um, the first thing I always do is I draw. And, you know, usually you say some people say they can't draw. Usually a classroom is the shape of a rectangle. So you just Uh have to draw that rectangle and you could divide it into the spaces like, you know, okay, for example, my internet connection is only in this corner of the room. So my space has to be there because I've got to be able to connect my computer. And so usually that's where I use my guide where I have, okay, I know that's going to be my space. Now, where is another space that I can put the library? And so I'll have my, my space, my library or my two 
first things. And then if I have computers or anything else that I need to include in the room, I'll add those. But like you said, dividing it into the math area with math manipulatives, even having within your area, having room for storage and not putting your storage where kids are working. And sometimes Mm -hmm. that's tricky. Yes. But it's worth it. (laughs) Because we're limited on space. Yes. And and if you are storing your materials where students are, make it where you can get to it easily and you won't have to interrupt what they're doing. Um, Like with Mm -hmm. the math manipulatives and things like that, those are student materials they use as well. I use them, but they also use them. But things like my my paper and um, my, my craft supplies, my hot glue gun, um, bulletin board stuff, all those things. I want to be in my area because sometimes hand, little hands can be curious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and sometimes I don't want it to be a case where they're working on stations and I need to grab something for a bulletin board or something like that. And I have to make them get up from where they are to dig through this pile that I've tucked under a table uh, that they're working at. Right. So what about uh, student materials? Do you do community supplies or individual supplies? So last year I did individual supplies. This year I did individual supplies. Next year I am doing community supplies. Um, <laughs> you sound very yes, certain yes. in that. Uh, I always keep all the pencils. Last year they had their own pencils. And that, of course, you know, I don't know what it is with children, but they just want to collect and hoard pencils. And... I cannot even, uh, yes, I can, the, the pencils, pencils like, it's a battle every uh, teacher faces. Um, and so I was like, I'm going to sharpen all of the pencils myself this year. And there's a sharp bucket that they can pull from. And so every day, actually I have a student lay out their pencils when she comes in. And um, so the pencils are community. Um, I have glue sticks that glue sticks were initially just for them. And they were in their little pouch. And then every, every time we got them out, they were like, I lost it. Or I do, it doesn't have a cap. Or it's dried out. Uh-huh. And so yep. I started, I kind of moved towards community supplies this December when we switched for the semester. I put three, the Sterilite, the big three-door containers and so mm-hmm. I have the little shower caddies on top of those. So it has their, um, it has glue sticks in there now. So it has glue sticks and extra crayons. And um, next year I'm going to have the, <laughs> the crayons in a more centralized location and glue sticks and things like that. And then they have uh, homework folders and things like that in, within the three drawer containers and dry erase mm-hmm. things that they can work on as well within those containers too. Well, and I think that's where teachers get bogged down is uh, like you're talking about, you open up your mm-hmm. pencil pouch and the glue yes. is dried out. And now, okay, I'm trying to start this lesson. You don't have glue. Where's the glue? Right. I can't find the glue. Oh, he, you know, and, you're, and it's like, if my biggest rule, and I don't like to say rule because I don't, Mm-hmm. I want to be like, meh, 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 meh. The teachers is, but my biggest rule um, is everything has right. to have a home. Like everything mm-hmm. needs to have a place to go because if the glue always goes mm-hmm. in this one spot, when Johnny runs out of glue, you can quickly go and grab it or a 
child that you trust that is right. responsible enough knows where it is and can go and get it. And now you, you know, have taken that and off I have your big plate. coffee cans um, that I've covered in duct tape. And I use those for my extra dry erase markers, my extra, like extra crayons, some of the crayons that have been a little bit more loved, um, and, and mm-hmm. extra glue sticks and scissors and things like that. So that if what they need is not directly in that storage caddy beside their desk, because I have my desks in group, they know, they know where, where to, go. to go. And that has helped a lot. Yeah. That took a while to learn. Yeah. Kids crave routine. And that's what I think is like so great about having a classroom. And when I say organized classroom, I don't just mean like physically in the space, but I mean like management wise as well. When you have a classroom that is organized Mm -hmm. well and thought out, um, you create those routines for kids so that they know exactly what to expect and what to do and where to go when you're not there. You know, they... They do. Yep. Yep. Okay. So we um, posted on our social medias about asking people for questions that they had um, about classroom organization. So I thought we could just kind of rally Robin back and forth, like how I threw in that teacher <laughs> lingo there. Um, back and forth, uh, the questions that we got and then kind of answer them. Fantastic. You know, with our thoughts. So one of the questions I got was how do you keep up with, how do you keep up with your classroom being organized with the busyness of the day? Such a good question. It's such a great question. Um, the biggest thing that has helped me this year, I have little three drawer containers. I have like a thousand three drawer containers. If you go into my room, that's all it is apparently. Um, but I have different, the different drawers. So if a student hands me a note. I can put it in that drawer. If I have made way too many copies of something, I could put it in a drawer. If I have extra materials, I can put it in a drawer. If I need to grade something, I'll paper clip it together, put it in a drawer. If I need to file something in my filing, I'll put it in a drawer. If I need to copy something, I'll put it in a drawer. And then during my planning time, I get 45 minutes or at the end of the day or whenever I get a few minutes, I can look at that one drawer just one more at a time and handle mm-hmm. it a piece at a time. But that way it's still organized and I still know where it's going. Even if it hasn't found its final home, it's in a great rest stop that I can uh, pick up and sort as needed. Well, it goes back to those planning out routines for every, every little Right. Uh, space right. in your day, you know, like getting a new paper from the office, you need to know what you're exactly. going to do with that. Um, and, and sometimes it sounds so silly, but like sitting down for someone, I think for you and I, because organization is something that we enjoy and probably comes pretty naturally to us. Um, it's right. just like an automatic thing, but for somebody who struggles with organization mm-hmm. or it's not their favorite, even sitting down and writing out, okay. Um, Papers right. from the office, right? Student papers, like, and then writing down what is your plan for that, and then putting that plan right, into exactly, place. and having that. I think a lot of teachers also I've seen succumb to the thought process of, okay, I get a piece of paper, I'm just going to throw it somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
having a place that you know you're going to throw it. Even if you're just throwing all the paper on your desk, at least you know it's going to be at your desk. Right. And not uh, all over. <laughs> and not all over. I mean, I've walked into some teachers' classrooms and bless their hearts. It's on the floor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Their students have thrown work away because they were trying to clean up and <laughs> papers have disappeared. And so just realizing, you know, having that place, even if it's all just put in one basket, even if you just give yourself one basket on your desk where you just put stuff that you get through the day, then you can go through that when you get your little, your little moments in the day. Yeah. Okay. So what's a question that you got? Okay. So (laughs) people will come up to me and ask, why is your room (laughs) so clean? (laughs) That's I get the same thing. question a yeah. lot too. Yeah. So they'll ask, um, why is it so clean? How do you keep it so clean? And I think the biggest thing with that is that it's partially student delegation as well. Um, of course, everything has a place in my room. I map that out at the beginning of the year and I teach kids how to, I teach my students, you know, this is where it goes. This is its home. If it's not at its home, we need to put it back there. Um, And as far as keeping the space clean as well, you know, I have a few responsible students that I give tasks at the end of the day to organize it and to keep it um, straight and tidy. And I have students that will move desks back into place at the end of the day that will wipe down desks at the end of the day. Um, we'll sharpen pencils at the end of the day, just delegating small little tasks that keep the space neat and tidy and organized as well. Yeah, I think, again, it goes back to routines, having mm-hmm. routines in place for what you're going to do. Mm-hmm. So that way, when something comes in midday or when you know, you're dealing with something, you know what to do with it. And then I agree completely with the delegating task at the end of the day. A big part of my classroom management plan is classroom jobs and they earn money for that, that they get to, you know, buy rewards with. And I love that idea. Every kid has a job and they rotate, you know, every couple weeks or so. But, um, really during the end of the day is very stressful for me because it's like, all throughout the day, I can run late and it's okay because I can make up, you know, like yeah, can be exactly. a minute late to lunch. It just means I only have 29 minutes instead of 30 or whatever, right. you know, right. at the end of the day, like I don't, I, I don't have any run over time. You're like, no. you gotta be out of here. Yeah. yeah. And, um, so it's stressful for me. So having those jobs in place for the kids to do, mm-hmm. um, almost like a lot of times at the end of the day, all I'm doing is standing at the door, watching them do their little jobs or I'm mm-hmm. picking up my stuff or something because yes. they've got their jobs taken care of. So things yes. like, like you said, straightening the desk, stacking chairs, um, sharpening pencils, erasing the board, um, moving the attendance clip check-in system thing that I have, mm-hmm. straightening up the library, um, right. just any little thing that I would come in at the end of the day and be like, I need to fix that you know, after car duty, they do yes. it. So when I come back in after car duty, it's taken it's nice care of. Yeah. And that's how I keep, that's how I keep my library. So organized is I have a couple of kids that will, uh, look through each tub. They may do a tub or two a day, but they look through the tubs and they're able to keep the books where they belong. And whew, 
I couldn't do it without that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So another question I got is how do you organize your room uh, without spending a lot of money? Because I think the misconception can be that in order to have an organized classroom, you need to spend all this money on it. I think the biggest thing is um, realizing that everything needs a dedicated space and your space is free. You have that in your classroom. And so just delegating specific areas for things helps with a lot of organization. Um, and using, I know I inherited a lot as a, as a new teacher, I inherited different containers and different things that I just had to figure out how to sort in the best possible way. Um, so like I got a lot of three drawer containers, so I used all of them (laughs) and those baskets. And and I think, I think for me, like my cabinets, Mm, you know, I'm, I'm a firm believer that your cabinets need to be organized. Yes. What's in your cabinets does not need to be cute. No. Like I've got a scholastic box next to a big milk crate next to an Amazon box, you know, like it doesn't matter. Right. Um, I am partial, like I'm particular about the stuff out in my classroom. I want it to match my theme and look Mm -hmm. cute. And, and I do think there's value in investing some money there, but, um, I think just being creative is like a really, you know, you just have, we are creative people. We're teachers. Right. Um, we just have to find things and find ways to, you know, repurpose and reuse. You said you made a comment, um, that you inherited a lot as a first year teacher, like a lot of stuff. And I remember my first year teaching, I had, um, I was in a master's program that gave me a mentor teacher Mm -hmm. who was in my classroom three days a week. And, um, I remember her telling me this and it was so freeing because as a new teacher, everybody is coming and bringing you their junk. They don't want anymore. Yes. Yes. Because they want to help you and they want to give it to you. (laughs) And you're like, yes, yes, I have nothing. Give it to Mm -hmm. me. I don't have like, I'm not ballsy enough to say, no, I don't want it. And so you just take it and then you don't use it. You just keep taking it. No. And what she told me is, um, she was like, I have learned that if I don't invest my own money in it, it's probably not something I'm going to use. Yeah. Like what she was talking about resources. Mm-hmm. And so to any teachers out there listening that are stressed because their classroom is disorganized. Yes. Take a look through your cabinets and see how much junk did you get as a new teacher? Yes. Um, and then for those new teachers, like be brave, say no, or take it and put it in their cycle bin. Like I'm really, really glad that you mentioned that. Cause when you're, I know my first my first year when I inherited my room, I did not purge enough. And my mm-hmm. second, when I moved into this this other room, I was like, okay, you need just the bones. You need to look at what you actually are going to use. And like there were some there were some containers I could have used. I just stuck them out in the hallway for another teacher to pick up. You know mm-hmm. and. And that's so true. The easiest and cheapest, most affordable way to get organized is to get rid of the stuff you don't use. Yes. 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 So glad you mentioned and, that. And be and be okay with like 
oh, but I may use this next year. Or I really want to. If you haven't used it in the last year, you're not going to use Absolutely. it next year. Absolutely. That is such a good rule of thumb. And I like to go through, we have parent-teacher, like during parent-teacher conferences, I'll make a point to, um, I know that 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 time frame that I want to go through some filing and just check the status of what I've just tucked in there. And mm-hmm. is it extra stuff we didn't get to that I actually want to do? Or is it stuff that was way too complicated for them that they couldn't handle? Do I just need to get rid of it? Um, yeah. And things like that. Yeah. It's hard to want to throw stuff away and get rid of as teachers, I yes. feel like. but Because you can always to. think of something. You can always think of some way to use it. But mm-hmm. unless you have a concrete specific plan plan for it then it's probably just going to sit there and not be used yeah amen yeah okay any other questions that you had um from people someone was asking about how to organize student desks and just the layout and arrangement of that Mm -hmm. and how to keep that tidy and neat yeah i um well that's hard because like each school comes with different desk situations. So like I can only operate under um, what I have experience with, which is desks with cubbies in it. So Mm -hmm. like I, you know, I store their books Mm -hmm. and their journals and all that kind of stuff um, in their, their desk cubbies. But then you think about kinder and first have a lot more of the um, circle tables and, well, I'll let you answer that because I don't know what to do about that. <laughs> well, I have, I, we do have individual desks. Um, in uh, kindergarten at my school, they've actually taken the individual desk with the cubbies and then just put a tabletop on it. So they still have that storage. Um, but in mm-hmm. first grade, we don't have that. So you have, I had tables at my old school and gosh, I miss my tables because for younger kids who have the wiggles, it's really hard to keep those student desks stationary and they want to move them around all the time. So I've used, yes. I've used zip ties to help keep that in check. And a quick side note, your kids also need to clean out their desks every now and then. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yes. I was just thinking the same yeah, thing. Like literally you have to take a, you have to take, sometimes you got to take five minutes out of your day because mm-hmm. I mean, we found a rock in my students in one of my students' desks the other day. I don't know where he found this rock, but he had it and he had kept it. <laughs> you know, yeah. And and they they are still so young that they're learning those, um, learning how mm-hmm. to be organized and learning how to maintain. Right. And so, you know, even though it feels like it's taking time out of your um, lesson to clean out the desk. Mm-hmm. We also have to think about the life skills that we're teaching. Exactly. Them. And as far as the arrangement of desks go, you just kind of have to figure out, is it going to be more of a lecture class? Do you want to provide students with opportunities to turn and talk? Um, I have my tables in organized in groups because of classroom management purposes. It worked really well for them to be in teams. So I have four tables or four teams And so Mm -hmm. when they are doing, they're following the classroom rules or doing something that they should be doing um, or doing a exceeding my expectations, they earn points. And consequently, when they're breaking the rules or not doing something they're supposed to, they lose points for their team. 
So that's why I had mm-hmm. to organize it that way. I have a very, very talkative class. And so I've changed my layout of my student desks more this year than I ever thought I would. I was trying rows. I was trying, I was looking, uh, scouring Pinterest, trying to find different things. And I think you have to think about not just how you're going to give your instruction, but also how you want to manage your classroom. Do you want each student to be individually accountable or does it work better to have a team plan where, you know, they're in groups? Because my, my, my kiddos don't want to let their group down. They want right. to be there for people. But if it was just them, they're fine with that. So right. I think that also plays a part into the student desk debate as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So we're coming up on our time. So I want to wrap up with the three questions that I ask all of my guests. The first one is what is your biggest pet peeve in teaching? So I don't like when kids play with pencils. I know that's unoriginal for a teacher. Uh, I don't like it when they're banging them on the desk like a drum or when they stick them in their hair or when they stick them in their ears. I just cannot deal. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The pencils, like I made, um, I saw somebody post on Instagram this like rectangle block with holes drilled in it for mechanical pencils Uh to go in. And, um, I showed it to my husband and I said, I need you to build this for me. And luckily he did it like the next weekend and I brought it into my kids and I was like, look, everybody has a hole that their mechanical pencil goes in where I taped your number on it. Um, and this is the only pencil you can use because I can't handle the pencils going everywhere. I haven't had a whole lot of the pencil Mm -hmm. tapping. My pencil issue is the like. Losing, hoarding yes. well, see, situation. That was that my get, issue ugh. last year is I had some kids that would put like 20 pencils in their desk. But this year, mm-hmm. they're all on the floor. They all end up on the floor. And then they don't know where they are. Ooh. And so literally, they're like, they raise, I have the I have them raise different hand signals for different things throughout the day. And so they raise three fingers uh-huh. for their pencil. And I always have to say, check <laughs> the floor first. And nine times out of 10, it's on yeah. the floor. <laughs> it's just not realized. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, and you're like, you can't find them because you drop them on the floor and the custodian yes. comes and sweeps them up yes. at the end of the day. Yes. So, what are you saying right now? <laughs> um, so, right now, the biggest thing, um, normally I eat snack foods and things like that. Uh, trying to be good, though. So, I've been reading a lot more. So, taking time uh-huh. out of the day to just sit down and read and not blog and not work on teachers pay teacher stuff and not write lesson plans and just sit and read and just enjoy that time. And also been walking with a group of teachers after school. And that's been oh, nice, that's too. Awesome. Yeah. Are you reading anything good right now? I am rereading Harry Potter because oh. I, my husband and I and my family were all going to Universal. So, so fun. I'm yes, jealous. Yes. So we're going to be doing that. So I wanted to reread the books again. <laughs> so Which one are you on right now? I am on Goblet of Fire, and I do not know how I'm going to finish them before Monday, but I'm going to try. <laughs> uh, that's number, is that number four? four? Yeah, yeah, number four. Mm-hmm. I love Harry Potter. Yes. Um, okay. And then my last question is, what is your favorite kid moment that you have? Well, this one happened just like a couple of weeks ago. I have, I have several um, 
have some that are funny and of course, and then some that are sweeter. Um, so I was talking, I have a second grader, the way our school is arranged, the second grades on one end, kindergarten is on one end and first grades in the middle. And cause it's just a K two school. So oh, wow. yes, which is really nice because I don't have to see yeah. the big kids. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so I have a second grader that just stops into my room every day. She loves it because it has unicorns and rainbows. <laughs> That's what drew her into my room. And so she stops. She talks with the kids every single day. Aww. And we were just talking about friends. And she said, well, I don't have a lot of friends. I look forward to seeing you guys, you know, every day. I don't have a lot of friends. And I said, well, you know what, baby? Sometimes that, that just happens. I said, I'm an adult and I don't have a lot of friends either. It doesn't mean that they don't care about me. It just means that I have a few really, really good friends. And that makes it all the more sweeter. And so one of my students came up to me and she tapped me and she said, well, I hope you both mean that you have lots of friends because we're your friends too. And so you need to count us as well because we're all your friends. And so I thought that was sweet. Um, That is, that's like what makes the hard days worth it. Yes. Just the fact that they weren't trying to just include the student. They were like, but we're your friends too, Miss Spears. You know, you need to remember mm-hmm. that too. We're your friends. Um, and I just thought that was really sweet. So That is so sweet. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Um, okay, tell us where we can find you. Okay, so if you're looking for my blog, it's learningismagical.com. You can also search for my Facebook page, which is Learning is Magical. Um, my Instagram is learning is magical. Um, I had to switch it up for Twitter though. I'm magical Miss Spears on Twitter. Um, do you do Twitter much? I am trying to. I do Instagram way more than Twitter. Yeah, yeah, me too. I, I like Instagram. Um, yeah. And then if you're looking for my Teachers Pay Teacher store, which is still a work in progress, uh, that's Spears Magical Learning. So. Perfect. And I'll link it all up in the show notes so that way people can go, um, like it'll all be in one place so that way they can find it easily. Awesome. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. I so appreciate it. And, um, even though like this is our first time talking and we've never met before, I am so proud of you, uh, being a second year teacher and just going for it and, you know, not, um, letting the negativity get you down and just staying positive and then trying to encourage other teachers at the same time. I think that's awesome. Well, thank you so much. I really enjoyed uh, talking to you as well and getting to know you better. And I really enjoy your positivity as well because you're able to stay positive and also you realize the importance of what we do. And it's, it's just all about the kids at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. That's all it is. Yep. Well, and I'm excited for, um, future stuff that you and I are going to collaborate on because I'm sure this won't be the first or the last uh, last time that we talk or collaborate or anything. I absolutely agree. So do you feel inspired to go organize something in your classroom? I've loved every single one of the podcasts I've recorded so far, and I always finish them on such a high, but these classroom organization ones, they've been so much fun for me because I love it. I also loved what Sarah said about learning to be gracious with herself. I feel like this is a conversation I've had with so many teachers and most of the guests on the show, but yet it's still something we all struggle with and something I struggled with today. 
Sarah's reminder to be gracious with their children as well as with herself is something that I know we all need to hear. And I also loved all the writing ideas that Sarah gave us. That's been one of my biggest focuses this year, and so I'm excited to give some of those things a try. Guys, don't forget to sign up for my email list and join the Simply Organized Teacher Facebook community. I want you to be able to follow along with all the operation organization sessions. Later this week, I'll be posting a recap blog post with highlights and videos from all of the operation organization sessions. So make sure to check it out. Wow, that was a tongue twister. Friends, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Simply Teach. Don't forget to head over to the simplyorganizedteacher.com for all of the show notes, links to things we talked about, and you can sign up for my email list there. Also, be sure to find the Facebook group because I want to be your social media friend. The fun music you're listening to, that's provided by hooksounds.com. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Simply Teach. We hope you feel encouraged and inspired to continue being the amazing teacher you are. Make sure to join back next week for a new episode. Oh, and don't forget to subscribe on iTunes and leave a review so other great teachers like you can find us. And you can help Mrs. Jackson podcast out with some five-star reviews.